Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, I refer to him as a bass player extraordinaire, an all-around music industry veteran. Uh, please welcome to the show, Blasco. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for, for having me on the show today. You're very welcome. That's a little clap for you. That's what that was. Great. Appreciate it. Yeah, I don't have a, a little soundboard, so I do my own audience claps. <laughs> Well, yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Um, like I mentioned before we got going on the show, you know, I'd be pretty surprised if a lot of our audience isn't familiar with your work and what you do. But let's assume that there are people out there that don't know who you are. Can you just do a, a quick background on who you are and how you got into this this madness that is the music industry? Yeah, I mean, I started pretty young. I got my first record deal for a band that I was in in high school so in 1985 i was 15 years old and my band got signed to metal blade records and we put out a record in 1986 1987 and 1988 which were all the years i was in high school and we, and we were all in high school pretty much and then uh in 1988 we all kind of graduated high school and so we all went our own separate ways and went about our business and uh and I was the only one that kind of really followed the dream of being a, a <laughs> rock and roll star. And I, and I, and, and, um, I did that. I, I, you know, I, I pursued that for quite a while and had a few different record deals and, you know, a couple of different situations over, over the, over the years in the nineties. And then, um, that expired in the mid nineties. And, and then I started playing, I just kind of figured like, yeah, this playing in my own band stuff is a lot of work. I'm just, I just would really rather play in other people's bands that are already successful, which is a real easy <laughs> thing to say, but, um, yeah. it just started happening. And then I, at that point I played in prong and that was the first band that I really kind of ever was that did real stuff. Like there was like a tour bus and we went to Japan and we did European festivals, all that. And then after that, I was in Danzig for a little while. And then after that, I joined Rob Zombie's solo band. And so I was on the first couple records of his and tours of his solo career. And then that went to about 2000 and something, six, mm -hmm. 2005, 2006. And then at that point, I joined Ozzy's band. And then when I joined Ozzy's band, I started a management company and I started managing bands. And then here we are. You know, I was in Ozzy's band for quite a while. I don't know, 15. I still manage bands and I get my hands dirty with a bunch of other stuff like marketing. And I'm just sort of generally interested in things that even if it's not rock and roll, it's right. rock and roll spirited and, and has that has that type of heart and soul in it because there's a lot of things that are rock and roll without actually right. being a band and yeah i mean look i mean i i think that it's every day i wake up and i was just how can i just make sure that i don't end up working for the man you know because it's like i've i've been real fortunate enough that i've been no real skill level like i couldn't teach anyone to do what it is that i do because i don't even really know what i do i just kind of get up every day and figure it out with the sheer right. sense of survivalism 
and and resource resourcefulness and tenacity and unwillingness to do anything other than what I want. <laughs> Where do you think that came from? That tenacity? It just came from the alternative, right? Right of 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 like, man, I I've had crappy jobs. I think just like anybody else, and never really kind of felt like, wow, oh, this is this is going to be what I do. Like just kind of giving in, throwing up the white flag. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to sell shoes for a living, or I'm just going to mm-hmm. bartend for a living. Like I just, it just never felt like that was, that was where the train ended, you know? And I, I don't know. I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know that what I currently do is the final destination. You know, like, I kind of feel like it's just this ever evolving thing that one thing leads to another. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, I managed this band and that band led to me working with this water company called Liquid Death. And I've been in Liquid Death for like four years. But if I didn't work with this one band and that connection maybe would have never happened and I would have never met them and I would have, you know, and it's just like things tend to just work in mysterious ways whenever you're not forcing things, if you just let in my life, it's if I just let things kind of happen organically whilst keeping my eyes and ears open for opportunities and sort of always happening, have, having those skill sets sharpened, no real gifts or hands. I just kind of get up and grind it out every day, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, even something like Liquid Death isn't the like typical punk rock thing that I would think of. But Liquid Death is an example of a couple of people with a good idea. And let's face it, it's not like some beverage that came from outer space. It's still water. But what makes it so special is that it's a it's a good quality water from a good source. Yep. And their marketing is impeccable. And it's fucking fun. It's a cool can. It's a cool brand. It makes you feel cool. Like I'm a creative enough person to to understand how that has a lot of parallel to playing bass and rock and roll bands and touring the world. It's, it's all the same shit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good example of, you know, like something that I said that it's not a band that I work with, but it's something that is very rooted with the rock and roll spirit. Exactly. And just a, a rock and roll anti-establishment idea, right? It's like, yeah, dude, we're selling water, but but we're selling cool. You know, like water is water is our product. But we don't sell water. We sell cool. We sell fun, you know? And um, It's called liquid death. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I like being around that type of energy. Plus, I mean, the trajectory of the brand is relatively unparalleled for a beverage brand, especially a water brand, um, to to have seen the the massive growth uh, over the last four years is pretty pretty impressive, and um, to have been along for the ride, you know, it's very 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 stoked. To, to be part of it because I if I wasn't part of it I'd be sure, pretty jealous of course <laughs> of, the, the, of, of the of the ones that were involved you know so so what are you doing for liquid death is it more of a, a marketing kind of brand stuff you know like I said like my, my skill set is sort of all over the place and sort of a Swiss army knife of heavy metal weirdness when I first came on yeah I was I think I was like the ninth or tenth person there really and they, they, they were trying to just kind of kicking off at that point. I helped them develop a lot of 
marketing aspects, mostly the, the merchandise. And, you know, whenever I first was, was chatting with them, I was convincing them that it wasn't a water company, that it was a lifestyle company and that people were going to get this brand tattooed on them and that merchandising it early in the game is going to be very important because people were going to be very proud to be part of this brand. And they're, they're going to want to advertise they're down with liquid death and we have to provide them the opportunity to wear it because people were going to an early adopter and they're down with this and they told their friends and their friends or whoever was easy to dismiss it. Like, ah, this is a, this is a failed attempt yeah. at some marketing thing. And no, man, like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a real brand that people really love and, and they're very, and they're very stoked about that. So yes, early on, I helped out with a bunch of different things. Very happy to be a part of it. What area of the country are you located? I'm in LA. Okay. I figured you were, I will be doing some kind of split living situation. I, I live in Portland, Oregon, technically full-time down in Los Angeles quite a bit. And especially this coming year, um, my wife and I will be down there more and more. So I will definitely say, say hi to you when I'm down there. Very cool. Why the base? Like, how did that come to be, and, and why is that your your weapon of choice? Uh, a lot of it was really practicality of I wanted to play in a band, and every band needed a bass player because everyone was already a guitar player or a drummer, and uh, I wanted to be in a band, so I was like, I'm I just gonna play bass so I can be in a band, and that was it. <laughs> and it was, and it was it was that simple. By the way, that that's incredibly smart, and I think that's um a good piece of advice for young people starting out that want to play in a band, you know, look, do the thing you want to do. If you want to truly feel a passion for guitar or drums or singing, do that for sure. But if, if you just want to be a part of this thing, you know, like you said, fill, fill the role that has the most need and you're going to have a great time. Like playing the bass in a rock and roll band. I, I can think of worse things than doing that. Yeah, agree. I mean, I had a pretty sick career off of making that decision. And I can tell you that I would not have had equally as sick of a career if I would have chosen to play drums or guitar. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. There you go. Is most of your musician career on the touring side or did you play on records as much? I mean, I played on some records, nothing significant. My contribution to heavy metal has been specifically in the hired gun bass player of bands who are named after the singer. That has pretty been pretty much my contribution. <laughs> right. You're the, uh, the Josh Freese of bass playing. It's somewhat. Yes. Yeah. Somewhat the, the, the hired mercenary player. I like that. Although I guess Josh plays on records quite a bit. Yeah. He plays on a lot of records that people don't know that he played on. <laughs> so yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, no I'm not, shit. I, like I'm not a ton. No, no one calls me and says, "Hey, man, can you play bass on a record?" No, no one, no one ever does that. Yeah, well, most of your experience is in rock or even heavy metal. What's your take on rock today in 2023? What's next for rock? Is there hope for rock? Will rock ever die? What What's your vibe on rock and roll? You know, rock is a rebellious genre of music. I mean, if you think of its origin story and how it came to be, how it morphs over the years. I feel like there was this time when people were trying to paint this picture of rock is dead and 
people aren't rock stars anymore. And, you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like the people that were saying that are people that come from a different era and they're expecting to, they're expecting to see a resurgence of things from the time that they were the most popular and, and, and to have a sense of familiar. But like, I think when you, when you visualize the rock stars of today, Post Malone is the David Lee Roth of a generation, you know, and, and he's, he's a different, mm -hmm. he's a different type of rock star. He's got tattoos on his face. He doesn't have assless chaps. Right. Rock is certainly alive in people like that and guys like that. And even the rock and roll spirit is in different types of people. I, I feel like the genre is very blurry these days. And look, it is the eighties sunset strip hair metal resurgence of the, that era of rock coming back. No. And, and I, and I don't think it, it should. And I, and, and I, and I hope, you know, look, I, it's like, we have to progress. And if we want rock to continue to be in the forefront, then it needs to progress and needs to take on different forms. And there's way more rock festivals every year, you know, and, and, and there's, there's no, there's no lack of, of people i mean now even look at 2023 rock festival has gone from a sometimes one day event to where it's three day or it's a weekend to three now it's a four day event like most of these major rock festivals are adding the thursday because there's just too much rock to contain in three days <laughs> so we've got to we've got to expand it oh i agree days. and i think that's a that's a that's a pretty good sign that it's a it's a thriving community that people just want the experience and, 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 and love the, love the music. And I, I don't see it. I don't see it going anywhere. You know, I mean, look, the, the, the days of Def Leppard having a 10 million selling record right alongside Michael Jackson and Madonna. Yeah. Okay. Those days are over, but the, the, the that was a different time period, you know, whenever the, whenever the access to music was, very much corralled into terrestrial radio and MTV. And that was for mainstream. That was kind of it. So you'd have a Def Leppard and Quiet Riot in the same conversation as Michael Jackson and, and Madonna because they were being fed to the same people. And, and there wasn't a, now, now, now it's like you and I could start a band and we could have a song up on Spotify right next to all the biggest bands in the world by tomorrow. So, you know, I think that was something like, a hundred thousand songs are uploaded to Spotify every day. I mean, that's insanity. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. But I mean, but that that just means that music is alive and healthy. I mean, from from a from a marketing standpoint, you know, it means you got to work a lot harder and a, and a lot smarter to be heard and be visible and make a living at 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 this. Yeah, I mean, that, certainly that's a, that's a challenge. But I mean, if if we're thinking the state of the state of rock my opinion it's in a healthy place and i feel like it's going to continue that way but look man we've always been for the most part we've always been second to pop music because rock is not necessarily popular we're not a popular group of people my group of people in high school was not the football players and cheerleaders we were the dudes in the corner smoking weed playing hacky sack 
with our headphones listening to Slayer. We were not popular. <laughs> and we and we're never gonna be. That's just the way it is. Well, yeah, I mean, I think about this all the time, and, and we'll transition to sort of the state of the union of the music industry because I, I ask every guest how they feel about it generally, not just about rock. But before we get there, it's like this ties into that because it. I mean, it's damn near every day that I hear about a band or a podcast, even or a movie, just some entity, something that someone created. And I've never heard of it. But the more I look into it, I'm like, oh, there's there's a whole fucking thing here. This is a whole community. There are kids that show up to this band's tour, you know, a thousand people a night, two thousand people a night. That's a career. You can make good money doing that. You can sell records. You have Spotify numbers. You don't need to work a day job necessarily to live that life. You're not Def Leppard. You're not playing an arena. But who gives a shit? Like you, you, the fact that you can still do this in 2023. You know, I think of a band like Turnstile, who is just blowing up, and they're they're fucking fun. They're kind of a, a throwback to the 90s, like kind of hardcore East Coast thing. And they're they're as big now as they've ever been. And yeah, maybe it's not Def Leppard big, but I don't know if that always has to be the objective. You know, even pop stars aren't. There is no Michael Jackson and Madonna. It just doesn't really happen anymore. I mean, we have like Doja Cat, Justin Bieber, people like that. There are big pop stars, but even their career is different than pop stars of the early 90s and before. With that said, I'm very hopeful for the music industry. I feel like we're thriving. I think there's less gatekeepers now than there ever has been. You just mentioned how many songs are uploaded on Spotify every day. Do you think that the music industry is in a healthy place. Are you optimistic? And are you, um, yeah, are you hopeful for the future? I am. I believe that if you, you want to be in a rock band or a metal band, any kind of band really, but I believe you, it's probably more challenging now than ever before because the competition is so, is so stiff and so hard to get recognized to a global level a la turnstile to get to get there is not going to be easy and i'm not trying to say that in a discouraging way you're going to want to approach it in a way to where you're like what are we doing differently what are we what are we contributing to the world from a music standpoint what is going to set us apart what are our resources that we have that we can do something differently? Because, you know, you're competing against everything. Whenever I was a kid growing up and was in my band in the 80s, all there was was vinyl and cassettes, but there wasn't there wasn't CDs yet. And cassettes came later. I mean, really, it was like when I was growing up, it was vinyl. I think the first portable thing was like the eight track, like in terms of there was an eight track in a car to where it was, it was a portable thing other than you know terrestrial radio and not everyone had one yeah then the gatekeeper was you had to have a record label for the most part you had to have a record label like you enough to sign you to want to spend the money to put out your record that was that was a significant thing that doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna you'd be successful but just the fact that someone liked you enough to spend money on you to put your record out if you didn't have that, you, no one was hearing your music. Like, I don't care how good of a band you were. No one saw 
on you and put your record out. No one was going to hear it unless you were going to, unless you were going to DIY it yourself. And clearly. No, the gatekeepers had to say yes. You could do that, but you had to have the resources to do that. There was a bit of a, a gatekeeping situation going on at that point. Now there isn't. Like I said, you and I can start a band right now and it could be on Spotify tomorrow. That's just the way the industry is. But that's what makes it fun and vibrant is that there is so much music. That's the balance. It's a, it's a challenge to get heard. It's a challenge to make this a living. But just because you're a musician doesn't make you entitled to make a living at it really either, right? So that that's right. I think if you're a music fan, there's no better time to live in right now because music is so abundant and so accessible and there is n- nothing that you can't find out there that will represent the soundtrack to your life that you can put on a make into a playlist and have it on in, in the background all day long and find new artists and, and and have your friends turn you on to new artists like all that stuff that I was able to have as a kid that was like tape trading and and you know like finding a band first like kids now nowadays they they have so much access to do that and it's, I, I think it's a real exciting time in music. But if you're a musician, it's very, very, very challenging. And, um, and that's just the way it is. That's, that's the, that's the, we can sit here and complain and Spotify steals from artists and blah, 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 and whatever. But, and unless you're going to do something to, to change that, you know, it's it just, just the way it is. I just look at it from two different perspectives. As a, as a music fan, it's an awesome time. And because of that, people are going to buy more shirts. They're going to go to more shows. And that just shows that, 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 I mean, it's just proof. I mean, there's more people doing more shows and people are spending more money on, uh, on tickets. They're spending more money on merchandise when they're at the shows. And yeah, it's going to spread it a little thin. We're going to have a lot more artists that are at that mid tier level. And you're going to have a lot more sort of flavor of, the the month kind of thing like i don't i don't know that we're going to be talking about bts 10 years from now i'm not saying that we're not but but it it just feels like that's something that's going to be really hot and then those kids are going to grow up and they're going to get real lives and they're going to have to and they're going to get responsibilities and i don't know that i don't know that bts is going to be a thing that's going to that's going to carry over it's always advancing and changing and and, and, st- and you're always going to feel nostalgia for the, the, the boy bands and the, and the pop stuff of your youth. But it just is what it is. You know, no one's entitled to a career, but like once again, so I'll beat a dead horse, but I think there's an endless amount that you can sink your teeth in. You're going to have to think very strategically about what makes you different. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think another thing that people in developing bands, y- younger people today, may not fully appreciate and this is a huge part of the industry this is more my corner of the industry because I, I manage music producers and and engineers is that ha- making a record like physically recording onto tape and then taking that tape and putting that ha- having a company make that burn into a in, into vinyl that's why they used to call it cutting a record right as, as you know I mean that's another gatekeeper just having someone that's 
that knows how to be an audio engineer, that has all the equipment, that had a studio, that even lets you in their door, it cost a bunch of money to pay this producer. That is entirely different today. Any kid with a laptop and Pro Tools can demo their band themselves. They can get a lot further than you ever could prior to the internet in the modern age. So I think that's another thing that a lot of people need to fully understand is like, there is just, it's it's almost so easy that it's hard again. <laughs> There's so many opportunities that it's it's probably hard to know where to start. It's like when you sit down at the end of the night and you're like, what do I want to watch? There's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's HBO Max, there's fucking Peacock. There, like, there's just too many choices now. There's so many choices that you just sit there and you're like, I don't even know what, to, there's too many shows. There's too many movies. I don't even know where to begin. And I think it's, there's a similarity in playing music today that you have so many options and you can self-publish your music, self-record your music, self-promote your music through all Instagram and TikTok and all that shit. Like, look, look I, I am 39. I'll be 40 in July. And I remember touring when I was 17 years old. And the internet was kind of around, but not really. It wasn't the way it is now. I remember calling clubs across the country and us basically just lying to them. Like, yeah, we can, yeah, we'll definitely get a hundred people out uh, at least everywhere we go. And, and they believed us and we got to play a bunch of, you know, stupid bars and clubs around the country. And we did that over the telephone. Like we picked up the phone, looked up their number in the yellow book and, and did it that way. And like, I think um, the internet is both a blessing and a curse for the music industry as a whole. Yeah, the whole option paralysis thing is that nowadays, musician is not just competing against other music or other musicians. They're competing for people's time. So think, think of, there's 100,000 songs that are being uploaded to Spotify every day, but then think about the bazillions of videos that are being uploaded to YouTube and TikTok and all that stuff that these people are all being entertained by. You know, so once again, not to sound discouraging, but it's just that that's that's what's out there. So if, if you're wanting to put your art out into the world, you know, look, you just have to be realistic and know that there's a lot of competition out there. So really what it comes down to is finding your audience, finding your tribe of people that are going to resonate with your messages. Because look, at the end of the day, not everyone is an artist and not everyone has art to, sh to share. I mean, the thing of it is, is a lot of people are just consumers of art because they like it, but they don't have a talent for any of that. And they're not even trying to get up in that business. Right. If you're an art creator, there are a contingent of people that are going to, that are going to resonate with your art and that are going to be your tribe. And you have to find those people and you have to put those people all under one and you have to communicate to them. And that is, I think that's an easy way to kind of say it. Oh, 100%. I, I think that also applies to why a company like Liquid Death is doing well, right? They're not just another water company. There's a gazillion of those. They carved out a path and a branding for themselves. And there's a lot to learn from that. I mean, when I started stateside, I had to find my own path. I had to find my own corner and stick to that for a while and build off that. And eventually, we'll have more types of clients that work with other types of artists but predominantly we're more known for producers that work with rock bands that just, 
that that happened by proxy that happened by nature of me being involved in rock bands and being in that genre my whole life so of course that's going to be a reflection of what i know and i think that's okay i think it's i think that's the lesson it's like be different than everyone else <laughs> have an, a, a unique thought a unique voice and and really lean on what you already have yeah it's fun times for artists good well I, i'm glad that you're hopeful yeah that's good to hear i i um I had a lot of people on the show and I've yet to hear anyone say like just flat out, look, I think we're fucked. I think, you know, it's the worst time to to be in the music industry. You might as well give up. I haven't heard that yet. And that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, there's there's already enough negative energy in in the world, you know, and and it's like if you if, if that's your vibe and, and if if you feel the need to knock people down to make yourself feel better and you can go hang out you can go hang out over there like that's that, that, that that's not yeah. <laughs> that's not any way to you know like high tides rise rises all ships and i kind of like for instance last year's last year's thought process and how we were putting together tours was very much that we're like people are coming out of a pandemic people want to get back out there but we need to give people value for the money. Yep. And we put together tours that were stacked in a way to where we had, we had triple co-headliners where we had three bands that could go all out and headline themselves. But if we put it together, we're creating something unique and we're giving people an experience that they're, that they're going to want to have. Right. And we can go all go out there and compete against one another or we can all team up and do something great for the fans. That was our thought process all of last year of how can we team up and how can we, how can we make valuable packages for people that just got to leave the house because they've been cooped up for so long and they've just been so frustrated. They just want to go off and blow off some steam and have some fun and have, yeah. you know, three to four hours of just the, crazy night you know they 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 all everyone needed that and um that that was that was really the agenda uh, of last year and yeah. you know maybe, maybe even going into to to this year and, and beyond a, a little bit but that was a thought process of, of how can we give people some real value for their money how can we team up high tides rises all ships and that was what we did and it and it worked and people showed up and had a great time and it was awesome man you know, last year for touring was really awesome for my business. And that's awesome. It was exciting. Hell yeah. I think I mentioned prior to starting recording the, the episode that I'm partnered with Sound Talent Group. And they're obviously a, a booking agency. And they're, they're all saying the same stuff that like, you know, their tours are just on fire and, and ticket sales are through the roof. I think there's more of a demand now for live, not just live music, but like real analog experiences. You know, and speaking of analog, I think that's why we're seeing vinyl going through the roof. I think that's why we're seeing people collecting toys and experiences. Like, I'm a Disneyland fanatic. I'm a fucking dork for Disneyland. I love that place. And I think it kind of ties into that. Like, it's something to do in real life that's not on your phone and it's not on the internet. And I think not just bands, but creators, entrepreneurs, people running businesses, they should keep that in mind. They should keep that in mind that people want actual, real 
life experiences now. And that is going to sell. I totally agree. Uh, these things tend to come in cycles. And we were all excited about the new shiny toy. And then and then it became like, now how can I share and, util and utilize TikTok and Instagram and social media? How can I share? You know, this, this is a place to share these experiences and provide people a little glimpse into my life. And, and you're totally right. It's an experiential moment now where people have had the taste of the digital life and now they're kind of hungry for the, the tangible physical product part of life, you know, which is what I grew up on, you know, so it's exciting to, it's exciting to see that all kind of come full circle. Well, it's, it's, it's even more interesting to me because it's not just like full circle and now we're back to the old days. It's like, it comes back, but it brings the technology age with it. So there's like a, a parallel People want real life stuff that they can feel and touch, but they also want their phones in their pocket and access to the internet. It's, it's kind of both. And you need to consider both to the best of your ability. Well, cool. That, that's amazing. One, one hard turn I want to take with you here, Blasco, is I was doing some snooping on your Instagram. We're just getting to know each other here. And something that is very apparent that you're into is, is cats. Yes. <laughs> you're a cat guy. So am I. So am I. My, my wife and I have three cats. We don't have any dogs. I'm not anti-dog. I'm not a lunatic. But I am by far like a cat guy. That's 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 my jam. Um, do you want to talk? You do a thing called Kitten Rescue, the the 5K fundraiser. I, I saw a picture of you doing a 5K. Uh, yeah, kind of talk about your your love for the feline friends of ours. Yeah, we have three also. Yeah, I got introduced to Kitten Rescue through geezer butler and his wife gloria and i just developed a relationship over there and i do you know i do whatever fundraising i can for them and with them the 5k is 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 one of them that's a thing that happens every year and the next one is in march and i i've lost count i think this is my sixth or seventh one that, that i've done Oh wow! I'm starting to ramp up the fundraising, but I typically go. I typically raise about five k for the five k. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fun. And they do a, a gala every year too. That was the uh, the it's the the furball. It's called the furball. I was honored a couple years ago pre pandemic, and um, that's a big fundraiser too. And there we, I think we raised close to a quarter of a million dollars for that one. And that's just a cool thing. It's a cool, it's a, it's a cool community of people. Once again, you know, it's kind of like finding your tribe. It's just like this unique breed of, you know, it's like, it's like, I think I, I right. Like I look at you and here, we're talking about metal. We're talking about rock. Like we're talking now we're talking about cats. And I look at your arm and I go, you have a boxer tattooed on your arm. Who I'm about to ask you about, but like, that's another thing that we have in common that we don't, you know, we don't know, like we're into boxing too. So let's talk about that. I'm, I'm actually not super into boxing specific. I'm, I'm more into old time, traditional tattoos. Okay. That's where this kind of came from. Um, my grandpa was really into boxing and it, it's got a little Irish shamrock. It's a tattoo on a tattoo. I do jujitsu is more my, got more short than I do. Combat sports though. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fight fan, UFC and, and jujitsu. And I, I definitely have like, like uh, an adjacent appreciation for boxing. A lot of my friends are into boxing. I wouldn't be able to keep up with like 
who's sure. who and what's going on. It's tough. Um, but no, I mean, boxing. Yeah. And it's, it's like one of the, the oldest traditional sports, especially in America that I can think of other than I guess baseball has been around forever in America. No, but, um, yeah, I feel the same way about hockey, by the way. Hockey has a lot of uh, hardcore metal fans tend to like hockey, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. It's just a thing. Because it's, it's it's the same reason why they play Call of Duty. Yeah, it's the same shit. Right? It, 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 it's just like people like us are attracted to heavy things. Heavy music, heavy heavy movies, heavy, things. heavy subject matter, and heavy, heavy violent sports. Yes. Oh, I am such a mystery. Like I love Disneyland and history of Walt Disney and stuff, but I'm also a fucking horror movie Mm -hmm. fanatic. Like I love horror movies, the dark things in life, you know, like you said, the heavy hitting stuff. Yeah. There's definitely a common like, but then I love cats. Sure. There's like an up and down thing that I, I like to play with. And I think it makes, it makes me and you a more interesting person. Because we've all met that like really boring metal guy that's like, I am just a tough guy all the time. Like, no, you're not. You're fucking lying and you're uninteresting. Yeah, but the history of cats is pretty heavy, right? When you think of like cats, cats totally. were considered gods and were worshipped, right? That's pretty heavy. And and, and then, you know, the, the, the mythological thought of the black cat that where they were, they were witches. And and, and, and Bad luck. like super yeah. heavy. We have a black cat. We love him to death. He's a 15 year old cat that has asthma and diabetes. We have to give him two inhalers a day and a shot of insulin a day. And we've had to do that his entire life. And like, he's a bad motherfucker. He's just a big old senior citizen black cat. And I I don't have any bad luck with him. Yeah, no. Cats are are mysterious, and I'm con- I'm convinced they're from another planet. They transcend time and space. <laughs> they're the most bizarre animal ever. There's a lot to learn from them for sure. Totally, man. Well, what's uh, before I let you go here as we start winding this thing down? What's the current status on management? Who who are you working with these days? And and um, how long have you been doing that? Also, coming up on twenty years now. Over time, it's like, you know, I think I started off managing. That was the whole idea. It was like, I'm going to manage metal bands. Yeah, because it's what you know. I manage Zach Wild, who has, he's a guitar legend, and he plays in Pantera. Of course. For the Pantera celebration, the most credible and recognizable and most legitimate faces of iconic rock and metal playing in a, currently relevantly in existence. I manage a band called Black Veil Brides. And th- those are sort of those are sort of my two things. But over time, like I said, my Swiss Army knife skill set has morphed into more. And you know, like I, I, I like I manage who I manage and and that's fun, but I'm not, but I'm not in a position to where I'm ever gonna compete with the big guys. So like my my you know my my big picture of what my business is is yet to be determined. I work with liquid death and I work with a merchandise company and, and, and there's all these facets of of different areas that I get my hands in to like marketing and branding and, and, and whatnot and managing. Yes, of course, but it's all one sort of big cohesive picture of what I do that is semi undefinable. And so I just tend to gravitate towards things that gravitate towards me and we find each other and we, work together and we do cool stuff together, but it's not, 
It's like I don't even have a website because I can't put really a definable category of things that I that I do. Like it's it's just it's just too weird. Are you officially part of a management company at this time, or are you just doing it on your own? I'm just a, no, I'm I'm just a boutique dude over here doing weird shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, look, I think there's a lesson in that. It's funny because I, I was saying this to someone the other day. Every real opportunity that's worth anything that's come my way, it's come from, like you said at the top of the show, it's okay to have goals. It's okay to have something that you're focused on, but to keep your mind open and don't try to control everything around you all the time. So for me, it's always come from like saying yes to something saying yes to this then led to that and then i met so and so and who knows you and i are getting to know each other maybe an opportunity comes from that that's not why i want to talk to you that's not why we're getting to know each other we want to do the show we want to get to know each other do a hang but like that's how all of these opportunities came your way that that's how they've all come my way is being a good hang in the room for one they'll be an annoying piece of shit and like just say yes to things that you're interested in. And I really do think it'll work itself out. It always has for me, at least. Yeah, that's a good perspective. You know, saying yes to stuff and and not being, I think it's keeping an open mind. Yeah, you're not saying yes to everything. Not, and, and, you know, not being so rigid. You know, like I said, like part of me feels like I, I have no, I have no idea what my final destination is, but but I, I'm not even I'm not even close. I don't I don't want to. Like I don't want to feel like I just do this thing because I mean frame it a different way. Like I feel like I needed to diversify my life in terms of how how I work and how I operate. Like like I get up every day and I invest in myself. Like if I'm making sort of a, like a financial analogy, right? Is like is like I invest in myself. I invest in my own personal business. But I, but I, I don't do any one thing. I do sort of a wide range of things, and I have a wide skill set. And my clients are all different, and the end result of that is is all different. So it's like I, I just kind of feel like if you only do one thing, and for some reason that thing doesn't exist anymore, that that potentially is a problem. At least I visualize it that way. So I felt like my my I have the business of diversification. In that, if if any one thing ends, I still have five other things that that I do, and I'll I'll take on more things that that I want to do, and and that you know that that quite possibly is what makes me a little bit unique, and how I've been able to find a tribe of people that are into what I'm into, and we've found ways to work together and and build ancillary businesses and stuff like with with zach it's like yeah ripping guitar player but like he has a super full coffee company that we built you know music is only is only so much i mean if you think in in, in the grand scheme of things of contribute to the world it's infinitely small compared to the amount of creativeness that can go into the world and ch change someone's life it's only it's one piece of the pie. One last question for you. How, how much do you think, and this is more of a selfish question, Blasco, because I'm spending more time in Los Angeles, especially this year. How much of these opportunities and the lifestyle that you've built for yourself, how much of that do you think being in the LA SoCal area has helped that? 100%. My career was very much based on geography. Word of mouth, 
it was accessibility. It was preparedness. Like, hey, man, can you learn these songs? Yep. Can you come over? And and it's like, oh, I know. Yep. We need a bass player. Who do you know? I know this dude. Right. Because you were there, you could do it. If it was accessibility of being in L.A., if it was like, oh, I know this dude. He lives in he lives in Boise. We got to get him. No, nah, not happening. Like, I had this conversation with a friend of mine, and, and we, we were kind of talking about the relative sort of excitement of thinking of living somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And just for various reasons, you know, affordability of of housing. Of course. Tax breaks, no no income tax, like, you know, whatever, as you, adultish types of conversations. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that conversation came around and we're like, but you realize that everything that we have is because we live here and because of the networking opportunities that are here and the things that have fallen into our lap because of some lunch that happened at the last minute that with someone and that developed into something else and whatever. And man, I got to say that everything that I have is because of being in LA. That's amazing to hear because that's what I told my wife. <laughs> I said, look, every time I go down there, yeah. I'm a dangerous man when I'm down there. I fuck some shit up and I shit starts happening. I think what excites me about that is, you know, we just got done talking for nearly an hour now about how much things have changed and how much the internet is part of our life and all these things. But at the end of the day, nothing makes up for being physically next to the thing that you want to be a part of. Getting that lunch date, like you said, being within driving distance to make it to that tryout for the band or taking that meeting or whatever it might be. There's something comforting about that. You know, like we still at the end of the day, human beings will be human beings and we want to look at each other in the eye and and share a space together. And that's pretty cool. Totally. I agree. I mean, Zoom's cool and all. It's a better it's a better way to communicate because we're seeing each other. We know that we we know that we're not distracted. But if we were on the phone, I'd be like looking through stuff. Right. And, totally. Know, it's like totally. Easy, like it's a different way to communicate to know that you have someone's attention, right? Which is which I think is 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 positive. It's it, it it's good because it's like the older that we get, the sands in the hourglass are, are, are shrinking, right? Like we we want to know that we have someone's attention, and so that's important. But being in person is where it happens, you know. And 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 it's that that energy doesn't translate anywhere else not in my opinion wow this has been a great conversation man i I really appreciate the time yeah let's let's stay in touch and i'll I'll definitely uh bother you when i'm in la well lunch is on me for sure let's do it all right all right hell yeah brother thank you again for for your time i appreciate it of course yeah yeah that was fun i appreciate it